Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. Merry Christmas, y'all. Merry Christmas. It's Christmas. It's hard to believe that it is that time of year. And I want to echo what Stephen said. We are so glad that you are here. We know that even during the holidays, church can be really hard to get to. You have so much to do and so many lists to think of that making time to be here, well, it matters. And we're so glad that you made it here with us to start off your Christmas season officially. And speaking of Christmas, let me tell you what I did yesterday. So yesterday morning, I woke up at 4 a.m. to finish the sermon because I had to get my kids up by 6.30 a.m. because they needed to be in the right Christmas pajamas in order to load them in the car to drive them to Grapevine so that when we got to Grapevine, we could park in a parking lot, take a bus to a train, and a train that went to the middle of nowhere, actually it passed Amazon fulfillment thing, and I was like, oh, that's Santa's workshop. That's what makes sense. And then we came back to the station where there was fake snow where we led into this really loud play of like Santa and the elves. And that was what I did yesterday in the morning. And why did I do this? I did this because it's Christmas. Because it's Christmas. And Christmas makes us do some really weird things. (laughs) Some really weird things. And one of our tendencies in Christmas is that we overpack. We cram all those expectations and those plans, all those finances, all the things we want to do, and we put it in our suitcase before Christmas, and we think, this is going to get us to Christmas. And we put it all in there, and by the time that we get to December 8th, we're just a smidge, a little tired of Christmas. It got really heavy along the week, and we're wondering if we can make it all the way to Christmas. Well, what if, what if there's a better way to do Christmas? What if the secret to making the best Christmas ever is in packing less? That's what we're going to talk about these next three weeks. We think that there's three things that you really need in order to experience the Christmas season. And over the next three weeks, we're going to cover each of those things. And we're excited to journey with you all through this Advent devotional, through this series, as we lead our way up to December 25th. So one of my favorite Christmas traditions of all time is to watch Christmas movies. I consider it like one of my crowning achievements in life that I can cite National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation from memory. Like I love Christmas movies and I binge on them during the holiday season. So it's no surprise that a few nights ago, I was watching Home Alone again, and as I was watching it, they came to that scene, and maybe you're familiar with it, where they realize that they've overslept, and they wake up, and they're supposed to be at an airport, for those of you who don't know the the film. They're supposed to be at the airport. They wake up, they've overslept, and they start to freak out. Like, the whole house takes a full 30 seconds of them running back and forth, trying to get ready, this whole family. And the whole time, their son is asleep in the attic, and they forgot about him. That's the premise of Home Alone. And as I was watching it, I thought, gah, like, this is us at Christmas. This is us. We're running from one event to the next, from one list to the next, from one purchase to the next. And the whole time that we're doing it, something feels a little bit off, 
Like maybe we're forgetting something. God forbid a child in the attic, right? Like we're forgetting something. Something is not quite computing. And we have these moments occasionally through our days or through our events where we, we think about it and we recognize that something doesn't quite fit. I had that moment in Grapevine yesterday when we were at this uh, lovely Santa thing that we were at and the elf from the stage was talking to the kids who were trying to get up on the stage and he said, we have to sit crisscross applesauce. And as a mom, let me tell you that my son has a little bit of me in him. So when you say an instruction, he just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Like he doesn't listen to it. And so as a mom, I was sitting there being like, oh God, no, oh God, no, don't tell him what to do. He'll do the opposite. So I was in the, in the stage trying to pull him back and he didn't really care about the Santa thing. That would have been cute. All he cared about was the stuffed animal that was the prop toy on the stage. And so I'm trying to drag him away from the stage while he's crying and the lady's telling us to sit crisscross applesauce. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, this is not it. Like, this is not the Christmas magic I was hoping for in this moment. And maybe yours isn't about the event. Maybe, maybe that moment happens to you when you're going to this Christmas party. And it's the Christmas party you look forward to all year. And maybe originally you were pretty good friends with these people, but over the years things have changed a little bit. And now, now really when you show up, you know it's mostly about what white elephant gift bring, you bring and how expensive it is, how nice it is. And so you're doing all these purchasing and you spent so many hours at Nordstrom anniversary sale trying to choose which white elephant gift you wanted. And you went through the list and it was so stressful and you get to that night and you go get a nice outfit and you show up to the party and you recognize like, huh, I'm really stressed out. And this doesn't feel like Christmas at all. There's these moments. These moments when we look at our bank accounts and we think, God, this doesn't feel like that Christmas magic I wanted. We're missing it. It's like we left something in the attic. It's like we're forgetting the one thing that would make everything okay. And we think it's not just one thing, it's a couple of things, but, but today we're going to talk about one of those things that I think is going to make your Christmas meaningful. And that thing is peace. If you're me, though, you heard that word and you immediately went into like this inner eye roll of like, God, God, don't talk about peace. Because here's the thing, and I, I'm with you. I'm with you because there are two things I think about when I think about peace. A, I think about Miss America. So I think about world peace, like this aspirational thing that isn't real and it's not for us. Like it's not something we can participate in. That's not the kind of peace I want. That's not something that I think I can have. The other thing I think about when I think about peace is this like calmness and this tranquility. And to be honest, if I'm thinking, if I'm telling you what I want out of Christmas, I mean, the calmness is nice, but I'm way more of a joy to the world person than I am a silent night person. Like, it's just not my thing. I want loudness. I love North Park at Christmas. Like, I love it. Like, I want the energy. And so that tranquility, like, that doesn't work for me either. But here's the thing. That's not actually what peace is, at least according to God. Those are small snippets of what peace really is to God. Do you know why we connect peace with Christmas? It's really because of this one phrase that came out of a book of Isaiah, and it's this. You recognize it because it turned into a real famous song. For to a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
and Prince of Peace. This one phrase was written thousands and thousands of years ago, long before Jesus. You see, Isaiah was a prophet to the Israelites, and he prophesied that one day there would be a Messiah, a Savior, someone who would bring all of these things to the Israelites. You see, God had long made a promise that one day a Messiah would come and restore the Israelites to their former glory. They weren't sure what that meant exactly, but one of those concepts was peace. That's why he writes Prince of Peace. But peace in Hebrew is way different than we talk about in English. You see, peace in Hebrew, and you've heard it, is shalom. Shalom, while does mean absence of hostility, like we think about in English, it actually has a different sense. It means complete or full. That's the root word. So for example, in the Bible, they talk about counting the number of livestock that they have. And if there's none missing, they say, well, they're in shalom. They're in shalom. They're in peace. They're in fullness. It's complete. I think the best imagery that we have of shalom in the Bible is actually out of Joshua when God gives Joshua an instruction to build an altar, and he says, do it out of shalom stones. What he meant was uncut stones, so stones that didn't have any cracks, there weren't any gaps or holes in them. And then he broadens that and talks about an entire wall, because a shalom wall was a wall that was built out of many bricks, but there were no gaps and there were no cracks. You see, that image, that's the basis of shalom, because think about a wall. It has all these moving parts, all these complicated pieces, but they all line up correctly. Shalom, to be complete, to be full, to be rightly aligned, that's what shalom means. And that's why you can describe it as a greeting. In modern day Hebrew, shalom, still you say shalom and it means hello. What you're asking about is, how is your well-being? How are you? Because I know your life is complicated. It has lots of moving pieces. Our relationships are complicated. Our situations are complicated. But if we're in shalom, it's all lined up together. Everything is complete. Everything feels right. Nothing feels out of place. Just like a wall, shalom can also be broken. And so the act of putting back the stones, of restoring what was missing, that's also called shalom. And so throughout the Bible, there's this discussion of how do we make peace? How do we make shalom? So for example, if your neighbor, if you accidentally took something from your neighbor's field, the Bible talks about making shalom or making peace is that you restore what was missing. Or if two nations are at war, shalom didn't just mean that they stopped fighting. It meant that they worked together for each other's good now. It was a completely transformational thing. Even when you talk about human relationships, in Proverbs, they refer to shalom as the reconciliation, the forgiveness of people. See, it's, it's, it's more than just peace that we think of in English. It's this idea of completeness, of fullness, of making everything as it should be. This, a pastor, author that I love named Tim Keller, he defines shalom this way. It's a long quote, but I think it's important, so I'm gonna read it to you. God created all things to be in a beautiful, harmonious, interdependent, knitted, webbed relationship to one another. Just as rightly related physical elements form a cosmos or a tapestry, so rightly related human beings form a community. This interwovenness, 
is what the Bible calls shalom, or harmonious peace. Shalom means complete reconciliation, a state of the fullest flourishing in every dimension, physical, emotional, social, and spiritual, because all relationships are right, perfect, and filled with joy. Doesn't that sound nice? Like, isn't that a peace that you can get behind? Shalom was this ultimate promise that God made to his people. That's what they wanted the Messiah to bring. That's why they called him the Prince of Peace. But for us today, what I think is most important about this definition of shalom is this. It's relational. Shalom is based on putting everything in right relationship to each other. And I don't just mean human relationships, I mean everything, like everything that God has created, everything you touch. It means that you're in right relationship with your money, your stuff, with your expectations, your ambitions. When you're in right relationship with your money and your stuff, it means that those things become the tools and resources that they are. It means that they don't cause you anxiety and stress. It means that you understand what they do for your life and don't get wrapped up in making them the boss of your life. When you're in right relationship of your expectations and your ambitions, it means that you don't freak out when your plans don't go as planned because while they were dreams, they didn't have to happen for you to have shalom. Because again, they are not the boss of you. They are a resource, a tool that you use. That's what shalom is. That's what we're invited to participate in this Christmas. But how in the world do we experience it? How do we get this, this Christmas? I think the Bible is pretty clear on this. Because the Bible states that the peace starts with us. You see, sometime, a long, long time ago, when God was making humans, he put in our job description that we would be peacemakers. So all throughout the Old Testament, he tells the Jews, you are to make peace with each other. Half of it is instructions about how to make things right how to restore and complete things, how to fix relationships. He tells them over and over again, and this one's from Psalm. He says, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And then Jesus continued this message, and maybe you're familiar with this verse. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are called God's children. You see, peacemaking has always been in our DNA. To be honest, it's, it's kind of what we're made to do. It's what we're supposed to do this Christmas. Then how do we get it so wrong? How come if this is what we're supposed to do, if this is what we're meant to do, that it just doesn't happen? How come we always feel like something's a little bit off most of the time? Well, I have a guess. My guess is that our fundamental misunderstanding of peace makes us chase after actions that were never meant to bring us shalom. And let me explain what I mean by that. When we think that peace is just this tiny slice of the definition, like an absence from hostility, 
then we orient our entire lives into making sure we don't have hostility or disturbance in our life. But is, is that right relationship? Is that restoring everything to its rightful place? No. Most of you this Christmas are already trying to pursue peace. My guess is that we just need to switch the definition a little bit. Actually, better than that, we need to expand it. Peace is not just the quietness or the tranquility. It's not the lack of hostility. It's not that your in-laws aren't fighting. It's not that. Peace is that you are in right relationship with everything around you, with God, with yourself, with the people around you, with your money, with your finances, with your stuff, with your ambitions, with your expectations, with people's choices around you, that you are at peace with those things. So how do we do this? How do we move forward? How do we make peace? And this type of peace, this shalom. I have a few things. I think the first one, two steps. The first one is we need to take inventory of where we are. Do you know those moments when you're like, this is not how it's supposed to be? I want you to notice those moments as you go throughout the Christmas season. Because my guess is behind those moments, there's this source of stress that maybe, maybe is off. Maybe it's something that you need to pay attention to. So for everyone, it's gonna look different. If your stress this holiday season is about your calendar, maybe that's something to take notice of. If you get freaked out every time you sit in carpool line because you keep thinking about that Christmas pageant that you have to prepare your kids for, maybe that's something to notice. If it's something more serious, like your bank account or your marriage, if it's a relationship with your kids, if it's something about your health, like take notice without doing anything, what is stressing you out this holiday season? What is that indicator that you are in not the quite right relationship to whatever it is around you? I gotta tell you, I, this last week, tis the season, and uh, we had these piles of cardboard boxes coming into our door uh, this Christmas, and I, hate that. Like, I hate boxes in the hallway. I know some of y'all can stand that and y'all have huge piles on your doors. That's great. I can't. And it just stresses me out. And I saw those Amazon boxes because I knew that that meant that I had to wrap those things, really, as the stress comes from. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it and it's just churning inside of me that, like, this is freaking me out. This is not what Christmas is about. And I had to pause and think about when I'm getting stressed out, over a cardboard box that sits next to my door that I ordered, there's something off. Like there's something in that that isn't in a right relationship, right? There's something that I am viewing, which should be a gift and a source of excitement, and I'm viewing it as a source of stress. Take inventory of the things in your life that are causing your heart to beat a little faster. Maybe if you don't get stressed, if you're one of those magical people in the world, then maybe it's something that you're ignoring, that you're not paying attention to, that someone brings up and you immediately turn the other way because you don't want to talk about it. Notice that inventory of what is going on this holiday season. And then the next step is the hardest, and I'll explain it. But the next step is to just take one step. Take one step forward to make peace. And here's what's hard about that. 
Because most of you will look at me and say, yeah, I, I would try to make peace, but the person on the other end, like, what about them? And here's the thing about peace. You can only control you. You can only control your actions. So maybe your steps to make peace are action-oriented, but maybe they're attitude-oriented. And you need to make that distinction. So for example, if it is the stuff in your house that is causing you so much anxiety and stress, then maybe you need to set a boundary. Maybe for me, that means I'm not ordering anything off of Amazon for the rest of Christmas. Like, that's my boundary. I will go to Target and I will pick up gifts this time because those boxes stress me out. Like, what is the boundary that you have to set in your life in order to regain some type of sanity? But maybe it's not that. Maybe it's an attitude change. Maybe like me, you have all these grand plans for Christmas, all these perfect things that you want to do with your family. Maybe for you, what shalom means is looking at those plans and holding them loosely. You see, sometimes we walk into situations where it's Christmas Eve and everyone's dressed up and you were perfect, this is what you wanted. You wanted this family Christmas, right? You wanted this perfect family Christmas and you all come in and it's Christmas Eve and everything's great and then your mother-in-law says that she can't be there next to sitting next to your uncle. And you get freaked out and you get so mad that why is this happening? This isn't what I wanted, right? And we let that plan become the thing that rules over us. We let that plan and that expectation become the weight that we're carrying this Christmas. We are no longer in right relationship with the things that we want most this Christmas. I don't know what your step is, but right now, I'm going to give us one awkward moment where I'm not going to talk. I want you to think about one area of your life that's stressing you out this Christmas. And I want you to think about one thing, one small thing that you can control. Do you need to forgive that friend? that you're still harboring that resentment for, for what she said a few weeks ago? Do you need to say no to an event that you didn't really want to go to in the first place? Do you need to let your expectations of what you think Christmas dinner is gonna look like go? Do you need to choose connection over perfect plans? Do you need to buy smaller gifts this year so that your finances feel like they're in shalom, that they're in peace and right relationship with you? Do you need to write cards to the people that you are most grateful for in the world this Christmas because you're feeling like maybe they don't know how much you appreciate them? Do you need to think about what it would look like to do Christmas a little differently this year, to be okay with what is happening and to be able to accept the gift that is Christmas. Whatever your step is, I hope that you take it this week. And it should be small enough that you can take it this week. Something that you can do easily. But let me tell you the good news, because here is the good news. Isaiah was right. The Prince of Peace did come. 2,000 years ago. And when he did, 
it was expected that he would usher in this whole new thing called shalom. And he did. He changed the most important relationship that we have. You see, thousands of years ago, when God made humans, he knew what right relationship was. He said, this is my desire. I love you, you are well made. I want you to be in relationship with me. I want you to love me and we'll have this relationship together. And time and time again, we as humans chose to wander off. And eventually God said, no, I love you too much. I need you to bring back, to come back, to restore, to make peace with this relationship. And he sent a baby to restore that relationship back to what it was supposed to be. And when that changed, everything changed. Because because of that, we can go forward knowing that the peace that we carry, the peace that we carried in Christmas is not our own. The peace that we rely on during Christmas, the peace that we want to face our marriages and our bank accounts, the peace that we want to face these social events and our kids, the peace that we need in order to bring into Christmas, it's not from us. It's from God. This Christmas season, you have the power to make shalom to make peace in your life. And yes, it might be only glimpses of that perfection, but it is a glimpse. And let me tell you a secret, that is what you're hoping for this Christmas. That's what you long for, that's what the songs and the movies are about. You want everything to be in right relationship with each other. So make peace this Christmas. Let it begin with you, just as God intended. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna sing a song that I hope illustrates what it means to be peacemakers this season. So let us pray. Dear Lord, God, we're so thankful for Christmas. Some of us come into the season with expectations and plans. Some of us have gaps that we want filled. God, there is such hope in knowing that shalom is here, that shalom is present if we would only open our eyes to see it. I pray that this group of people may be the peacemakers that they are called to be, that they may move forward boldly into the world, one little step at a time, that their hearts and minds may change, that our hearts and minds may change to understand, appreciate, and make peace this Christmas season. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.